0: living in the light learning about Jesus living in the light living in the light living in the light we're loving one another while leading us we're living in the light amen listen listen Sometimes it's hard for us to tell ourselves and say those words to those songs because we know in our heart we don't mean it. Uh, When we sit here and say that we're going to give ourselves away and we're going to give ourselves to God, our life is not our own. Those are some strong words, some strong words. And I, I know if I'm standing here as the pastor of this church and you guys are members of this church, and here I am, the leader of this church, and I can stand there. And as the song begins to sing, it begins to be conviction on my heart. God, is there something I hadn't given to you? Is there something that I'm saying, Lord, I know that you want to take me to a greater place. You want to do greater things. But I'm yet still holding back an aspect of my life. And in that moment, a spirit of sadness would come upon me because of the fact that I know that I am telling God no. No about something. And as we deal with this series of total stewardship, dealing with this be obedient, you can't tell God no and yet still be obedient. So we have to be able to declare with a loud voice and a voice that understands that no matter what we serve, a God that requires us to give him all of us at all times. Amen. And so I'm thankful for that. And I just want to make sure I don't know why God laid on my heart to share that. Usually I try to jump right into the word, but Uh, There may be somebody else just like me that's just convicted and and know without a shadow of a doubt, even though you're standing today and you're here today and you're ready to worship God today, there's still something about whatever it is that you're going through that you haven't given it all to God. And so we want to take a moment to make sure that we surrender everything that we are, everything that we're struggling with, everything that we're going through, everything that we're holding back. Everything that we're saying, know to God about and give it unto God today. Amen. Father God, we come before you right now in this place, filling your presence in this place, God. Uh, Filling you, speaking to us, Father God, not even just through your scripture, but also through song. And God, we're praying that in this place right now, God, that you allow a shift and transformation to happen in our lives. God, let, let none of us leave here the same. Father God, make sure that all of us hear exactly what it is that you have for us to hear. Father God, I make sure that all of us do exactly what it is that you've asked us to do, God. And, and Father God, if we don't know what we're saying no to you about, if we don't, if we hadn't identified it, Father God, if, we, if, if we've just hidden it in a closet and we've forgotten about it ourselves, Father God, we pray right now that you reveal it to us. Father God, so that we can be in a position that we can say with a boldness, God, I give myself away. That I give you all of who I am Father God that I'm withholding nothing from you and God we will give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus name and all of God's people said amen amen Amen. let's get into this word on today man grab your Bible grab your Bible for those of you who I didn't get to greet on Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving I want to tell you happy belated Thanksgiving I see that I'm not the only one that put on an extra couple of pounds during the holiday Uh, I'm not gonna call no names because I love everybody in this place and I don't want nobody feeling some type of way Uh, Listen, go with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 12. I know without a shadow of a doubt that there's a word from our Lord and Savior there today. Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 33. If you can just repeat after me. Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind that I will do. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Listen, Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 33. When you got it, say, "I I got it. Let's get it. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brought a vipers. How can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasures what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasures what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give accounting. For it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified. And by your words you will be condemned. For a moment today, I want to lift up this passage of text as we continue in this series entitled Be Obedient and simply title it Having an Obedient Mouth. Having an Obedient Mouth. You may be seated on today. Listen. (laughs) Come on, help us all. Amen. Listen, I want to tell you something, man. This series has changed my life. It's changed the way that I look at my role and my responsibilities. It's changed the way that I plan how to interact. Uh, It's actually changed the way I pray, all because I know my position and I know my purpose. And as a result of that, I know that if I'm just a manager in life, that I have a responsibility to listen to my boss. Uh, I wouldn't go to any job and try to tell my boss, how to do their job. My job is to do what they tell me to do. They sign my checks. I I don't want no problems. I'm not trying to get fired. I've quit enough job in my days. And so I I, want to make sure that I do what it is that I'm supposed to do. And so here it is that we're dealing with a text today uh, that's kind of uh, strange because we have these groups of individuals. uh, They call themselves Pharisees. Uh, And these Pharisees are are Jewish people who are supposed to be the children of God, but there's an issue with these groups of people that are considered a Pharisee. And and I want you to know this because if anybody ever calls you a Pharisee, you need to understand what it is that they're they're saying about you because there are some characteristics about these Pharisees that aren't right. I mean, see, they they look like the average believer. They know the word of God. Matter of fact, they teach the word of God. They they are the ones that are, are leading the temple. They're the ones that are leading prayer. They seem like they got it all together. But there's an issue because they don't want to let go of religion for relationship. Uh, they 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 are so caught up in, in what they know and think they know it all that they have gotten to the point where they have an issue with the fact that now that the Messiah has come, now that Jesus has come, all power that was once in their hands is no longer in their hands. See, they've been put in a position of authority for so long that they felt like everybody needed to look up and follow them. See, sometimes in life we get in a position where we stop following God and we begin to act like God. And and that's what begins to happen to these Pharisees in the text. And these Pharisees in the text, they they stop following God, and they begin to try to act like God. They even got themselves in a position where they wanted to question who God is. They put themselves in a position where all they did, instead of worried about teaching the people and leading the people, they put themselves in a place where they decided, well, what we're going to do is we're going to spend all of our time trying to to prove that Jesus Christ is not the Messiah. We're going to try to spend all of our time proving that he is a fraud. So when we look at Matthew chapter 12, what is happening in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus has done one of the greatest things that he's always done. He's he's healed someone in the text. He's healed this individual who was blind within the text. And, and, And what takes place is the Pharisees, they come to Jesus, and they begin to rebuke Jesus, saying that, listen, you... Or healing uh, by, by the name of be- 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 Beelzebub, which is another name for Lucifer. Uh, there's, he's saying that the spirit that you're operating in is a spirit of evilness. And then Jesus comes to him and says, Man, y'all don't even understand what y'all are saying yourself. Because how could I be working for Satan and casting out demons? That is a divided kingdom. A divided kingdom can't stand. Why would the enemy, Lucifer, Beelzebub, cast out his own demons? Cast out his own. Does that even make sense, what you're asking me to do? And then he even turns it and he flips on them because that's how some believers are. They will sit there and point the finger at you about everything that you're doing wrong in your life. But Jesus does the old switcheroo on it. He says, listen, your disciples, they cast out the same way I cast out. So are they casting out by the same spirit that you're claiming I'm casting out? But he puts them in a position to say, you know what? If you're calling me wrong, well, you're wrong too. Because the power that I have, the power that I, I that you have is the power that I have given unto you. So if I'm wrong, you're wrong too. I can just imagine the Pharisees' face at that moment. How they they, they mouth had been so wide open, but now. It's closed shut. And Jesus begins to continue to to talk to them about issues and and problems that they were having. But he gets to this one part because he's dealing with their mouth. See, there's something about your mouth. I remember when I was younger, I used to have a a little fly mouth. And and I would do what I needed to do when I was supposed to do it. But every once in a while, I, I would mumble or say something under my breath. And I remember that there were some older folks around me sometime that they wouldn't do anything but look at me and say, boy, your mouth is going to get you in trouble. Yep. It wasn't my actions that was going to get me in trouble. It was my mouth. It was the things that I was saying because uh, I would get beside myself and think that I had an opinion and I could be able to, to voice. You see, Isaiah, my son, I-, I love him, but he's just like me. I, I found out this week he's, he's just like me. Uh, he may look like his mama sometime, but he act like me. Uh, and we were we were cleaning up the house, and and you know, uh, see, mamas can say stuff that daddies can't say and get away with it. Uh, my wife, she was cleaning up, and I seen her cleaning. I wasn't gonna speak on it, and you could tell when she cleaning that she's happy, and she cleaning that she mad. It's a it's a difference between the type of cleaning. Uh, she walks a little faster when she not happy about having to clean. <laughs> and so I got up out of my comfortable chair, and and I just began to to to, to walk, and I said, "Hey, baby, are you okay?" And she, "Yeah, I'm fine. Mm-hmm, yeah." And she was steady cleaning. And Isaiah did something. He dropped something on the floor. And you know, sometimes people can speak indirectly to you by speaking to somebody else. And so she said to Isaiah simply just something just like this. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but so, baby, don't hold it against me after service. She simply said, uh, "It's a sh- I, I mean, I, Isaiah, I need you to pick that up. I'm the only one that got to clean up around here, I guess. And I knew that wasn't meant for Isaiah. Th- that was meant for me. That, that, that there that came out of her mouth was meant for me. And so I had to go on and get myself up out of my chair, make sure that I could find what I did. And see, I do like every other brother in here probably do. Uh, I don't clean up everybody else's mess. I go clean up my mess. I I go focus on my part of the sink. I go focus on my dresser. I'm not going to do nothing else. Let me do, let me get, if I'm going to clean, let me get my stuff together first. I mean, that's what the scripture says. It says get the log out of my own eye before I try to get it out of the, you get what I'm saying? So here it is. Here it is. I'm cleaning, and I, and I have a statement. And then now I'm frustrated because I don't want to clean, and you got me clean. So guess what I do? I call the kids. Isaiah, Maddie, y'all come on. Help us clean. We the only ones around here who got to clean. Now Isaiah's frustrated because he ain't watching this show no more. He's all discombobulated. And he comes down the stairs. I say, Isaiah, go get the broom and dustpan. Uh, and he says something to me. He says, oh, I said, you know what, because it's your hair that's in the bathroom. I don't only cut my hair. I cut your hair, too. So you need to come help me sweep up this hair in the bathroom. And he comes down the stairs, and he comes down, and he looks at me, and he says, Daddy, just to be honest, I don't ask you to cut my hair. <laughs> and in that moment, I looked at Isaiah, and I say, boy, your mouth is what's going to get you in trouble. <laughs> he didn't mean any harm. He was just stating facts. He was stating the truth that he didn't ask for me to cut his hair. But he didn't understand that the words that were coming out of his mouth were cutting pretty sharp. They they hurt pretty hard because right now I'm in a position I don't want to be in and the last thing I need you to do is talk back to me. Right. Th- that's not what I want to happen in my house at this time. No, you're going to help me clean up this Clean up this house. And so I'm telling you this because I want you to understand something. Just as we have to be able to control our hearts, just like we have to be able to control our hands, we have to learn to control our mouth. We have to learn to control what we say. And I'm not only talking about what we say verbally, I'm talking about what we say mentally, what what we're thinking about saying. And you know where I tell you I love you, but in my head I tell you you stink. that that type of thing, we have to be able to control what we say because there are going to come a time, according to the Scripture, a time when you have to give account for everything that you said. There will be a time of judgment and reckoning where you have to give an account of everything that you said. Yes, we come to church on Sunday and our mouth is holy, but what happens after we leave here? What are the things that we're saying when we're gone? Some of the people we just hugged and loved, we go home and talk about. We have to get put ourselves in a better position to do better. When you know better, you what? Do better. And when you do better, guess what? You get better. So when we talk about stewardship, I want you to understand, if I haven't reiterated this enough, that stewardship is a relationship that is built off of safety, not of slavery. I really want you to receive that. Stewardship is a relationship that's built off of safety, not of slavery. Why do we have to understand that? Because people have a problem with serving God because they look at it as how we view slavery from a world's mentality. We look at God as just being this controlling God, this God that wants to rule and wants to dictate and wants to control everything you do, everything you say, everywhere you go. But the truth is that God is not trying to stand over you with a whip. He's trying to keep you safe. If you remember in Genesis, Adam and Eve were placed inside of where? The garden. A place of safety. They were in the garden, a place of safety, where they didn't have to worry about nothing going wrong as long as they did right. But what happened after they did wrong? They left the garden. They were cast out of the garden and had to go into the wilderness. See, the wilderness is a dangerous place. The garden is a safe place. When we're in a relationship with God, even though we can't get back to Eden because the Scripture says it's not possible, but we are found to be in a safe place with God. So when we are operating under the control of God through stewardship because he's our owner and we're the managers, we're in a position of safety, job security, we're okay. It's when we step outside of the will of God that we should think that we are being controlled by slavery. Pastor, what do you mean being controlled by slavery? When you're outside of the will of God, the world tells you how you have to live. The world tells you what you have to wear. The world tells you what you need to listen to. The world, the world tells you how you're going to be accepted and what, how you're not going to be accepted. The world puts all of these requirements. They control you by, by money. All of these things have control over you. You're pulled in so many different directions trying to figure out where do I go, and you're steady trying to find happiness, peace, and joy, but you never find it. Why? Because you are a slave to the life that you're living. Being a Christian... Being in a relationship with God is not a slave relationship. It is a relationship where you are a servant, and as a servant, you have a master. Uh, It's a relationship that's based off of choices, and we have to understand that, that our choices in our lives, our choices are within our own control. This is how we know it's not slavery, because our choices are within our own control, we have the right to pick and choose what we will do and what we won't do. If it was slavery, God would simply say, you wake up, you do what I say do, and you have no other choice. That would be it. He wouldn't give you an option. He wouldn't give you a way out. We know it's not slavery. It's an option to be willingly submit to his will and his authority because we wake up every day with a mind to choose whether we want to do right or if we want to do wrong. It's our choice to what we're doing in life. It's our choice to where we're going to be. Our choice is within our control. What does that mean to us? You can't sit here today and blame God for everything that has went wrong in your life when you've made the wrong choices. You can't sit here and blame God for the bad relationships. You can't sit here and blame God for the bad investments. You can't sit here and blame God for every bad choice in your life when you are in control. You have to make a decision, God, do I want to live for you or do I not? It's a decision that you have to make every day. A decision that you have to make every day when you wake up. A conscious choice, God, do I want to be submissive to you? Do I want to be submissive to who you are in my life? This was the problem with the Pharisees in the text. They didn't want to be submissive. And so because they didn't want to be submissive, what happens within their life? They begin to rebel. We know that if you look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, write it down in your own time. The Bible tells us, it it gives a scripture paraphrasing that says, listen, the heart of man makes up his own plans, but God already has his steps ordered. We have to understand the God that we serve has steps and plans ordered for us, but we have to choose within our heart. Where do we want to go from here? This brings us all the way back to message a message three weeks ago. It starts with the heart. If your heart isn't right, then what your hands do will be wrong. If your heart isn't right, then what your eyes see will be wrong. If your heart isn't right, then what your mouth says will be wrong. I had the pleasure of talking to a young man just, the, just this week, and we were talking about issues and things that we could be struggling with, and we were just like, hey, let's fix this issue. But the thing is that the issue isn't what we need to fix. The heart is what we need to fix. People are struggling with addictions. People are struggling with bad habits. People are struggling with jacked-up mindset, jacked-up views. And it's not an issue that you don't want to do right. It's an issue that your heart isn't right. We talked about how this bad heart, if you have this bad heart, it doesn't matter if it's the right ventricle, the left ventricle, the right aorta, a- a- whatever part it is, if any part of that heart goes wrong, you're out of there. You are put in a position where you need a doctor. You need someone to fix whatever it is that you're going through. Because you can't handle it by yourself. This is where the Pharisees are in the text. They are a representation of every one of us as a believer that does not want to submit to the will of God. We know God's word. We can teach God's word. But the problem is that we won't live God's word. This is why Jesus himself says to them, listen, a tree is either good or bad. You too. Which one is it? You choose which one it will be. It's a picture of a tree here on the screen. And I seen a tree similar to this. This is Photoshop, but I seen a tree similar to this where one side of it was dark and dead. The other side of it was full of life. When I began to look at this tree and I researched and I read the article about this tree, this tree had been hit by lightning on one side of its on one side of its frame. As a result of it being hit by lightning on one side of its frame, it was what? Dead. However, there was another side of it that was still alive. Do you think that tree poured nutrients into the dead part of itself? It poured nutrients into the live part of itself. It fed what was good about itself. And so when it came time for the tree to give leaves, when it came time for the tree to provide fruit, one side of it provided when the other didn't. This is the problem with many of us in our lives today. We are spiritually divided. But the issue is that we are spending more time feeding the dead than we are feeding the living. And this is the catch. If you waste your time feeding the dead, guess what? Nothing's going to happen because it's dead. It doesn't want to take in the nutrients. It doesn't want to eat It's just dead. It's there. It's lifeless. But guess what also happens? The living becomes stagnant. The living no longer produces. Why? Because you have robbed it of its nutrients to try to revive something that's dead. Instead of pouring into something that's living. When you look at your life, how many dead situations are you pouring your energy into? How many dead situations are you giving your time? How many dead situations are you staying committed to? And then the thing is that you're mad and you're upset and you're blaming God. God, why you ain't fixed this? God, why you hadn't worked? God is not trying to produce death within you. Matter of fact, he said, listen, I come to provide life. So you think that he's going to let you feed something dead? He thinks that you think he's going to support you and and to try to force something to come back to life that sometimes God has allowed to die just to remove it from you. You wonder why your relationship keep going through the same cycle over and over again. Why can't these things get right? Why can't he get right? Why can't she get right? Maybe it's because it's a dead situation and you need to cut yourself away from it. I remember our Savior, Jesus Christ, he said himself, listen, I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser anything that's dead he'll cut it away and cast it away and guess what he does when he cuts it away he casts it away and he burns it why does he burn it because it's no longer of any value it's worthless why are you walking around with dead things still attached to you why why are you why are you still walking around with things that f- frustrate you and anger you and things that pull you out of your character when it's your job to cast these things away. It's your job because it's all in your control to burn these things so that you can move on and you can do what it is that God has asked you to do. We have to understand that it's not slavery, not only because we have a choice in the matter, but we have to realize it's not slavery because we have an opportunity to articulate our views. And what we need to realize more than anything, what we articulate drastically affects what we create. That's big for some of us because we don't understand that we have the power to speak things into existence. If you don't believe me, I believe it's in Proverbs chapter, chapter 18, verse 21, where the scripture reminds us that death and life is held in the power of the tongue. And the catch is that not only is death and life held in the power of the tongue, the Bible goes on to say, and those who love it will eat from it. Death and life is held in the power of the tongue, but those who love it will eat from it. In other words, if you love being negative, if you love death, then that's what you're going to eat from. If you love being positive, if you love life, then that's what you're going to eat from. You can't complain about the fruit that you have within your life on the table that God has prepared for you if you keep putting the wrong fruit on the plate. You have a choice to go left. You have a choice to go right. If God puts before you good and evil, you have a choice to pick what? Good. Right. One of my favorite movies in the world was Matrix. And I remember when, when it came a time for the young man to choose if he wanted the red pill or the blue pill. He had a full understanding what the red pill and the blue pill represented. He had to choose whether he wanted to live life in the reality of what life really was or if he wanted to go back to sleep in the matrix. All he had to do was choose a pill. Every day you wake up choosing your pill. God, do I want to live for you today or do I want to die? Can we be honest? We premeditate our sins. Let's be real. Sin ain't just crept up on us. It don't just you didn't walk out the door and they just say, Here I am. You premeditated who you're gonna sleep with tomorrow. You premeditated what you're gonna steal, what lie you're gonna tell. You've already thought about it. You've already put it in your mind. So you have made a choice. Let's let's stop being babies about this. You made a choice what you gonna do. So when you get the results of your choice because you know if you're not married and you sleep with somebody that you're not married to and you go even further and have unprotected sex with somebody you're not married to, there's a possibility that you're going to get STDs. There's a possibility that you're going to end up with a baby that you don't want before you want it. There's a possibility that he's going to leave you or she's going to leave you. Whatever it is, it could happen. You knew that when you, when you swallowed that pill. So why are you mad about it? Why, why are you upset about it? You knew if you decided to smoke a certain dope or do whatever it is, you know it's a possibility because you didn't grow it, you didn't cook it, you don't know what it is. Somebody done done something to it, and if you take it, it's an opportunity that you could be in the hospital. You knew it. So why are you mad about it? We have choices to make every day of our lives. We have to choose to choose the better choices. We have to choose to decide what it is that we're going to do. So when we look at this situation, we need to choose what we say. Not only verbally, but also internally. We need to choose what we think because what we articulate can drastically affect what we create. We can speak death or life over situations within our lives. It's all within your control. Now I want to make sure as we, we get into this that we understand what death is. And what life is. Let's talk about the death speech and let's talk about the life speech. Man, one of the things that I want to make sure that you see is speaking death can become you or it can free you. Now, that's something to hashtag. That's something to hold on to. Speaking death can become you or it can free you. Pastor, what, what are you saying? Speaking death can become me or free me. Uh, when Jesus says in the text, either make the tree good And it's fruit good or make the tree bad and it's fruit bad for the tree is known by the fruit that it bears. When you speak death, you have the ability and the power to change the way your life is seen, to change the way that you live life, to change the way that you view life. The problem is that uh, there's two types of death speech. The first speech is speaking death upon you. Uh, turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, real quickly. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And in John chapter 10, when you get there, if you ain't got to write a note, John chapter 10, you'll find it that it says what? The thief comes to what? Only steal, kill, and destroy. I came that I may have light that, and what? Have it more abundantly. Why do you think as a believer That God wants to harm you. I stopped thinking a long time ago that God was trying to punish me. I began to realize that when I thought God was trying to punish me, all he was really trying to do is protect me. God does not want any negativity to come. I want you to just think about this. If God was a CEO and you are his product, Why would he want a bunch of negative to happen to you? Nobody's going to want to invest in his business. Because what? They are looking at you as a representation of everything that he is. If Mary Kay publicized about all the creams that they did wrong and that broke people's faces out, that that ate up their skin, if they use those testimonies, many of you wouldn't buy Mary Kay. Because of the fact that, look what your stuff do to people. But because of the fact that they glorify all the things that they did right, that's why we support America. That's why you see all those pink Cadillacs running up and down the highway. Because they they look at what they did right. You are a walking billboard for God. And as you being a walking billboard for God, he doesn't want you walking around with a bunch of graffiti on you. He wants people to see his workmanship. He wants to see... What has value. And so what I want you to realize is that we have to stop speaking death upon us. What are you saying, Pastor? Stop walking around saying you're broke. Come on now. You've just spoken that thing into existence. Stop walking around saying that you're lonely. The thing about it is you can't be broke if you're serving God because God owns everything. If you're not relying on your own finances and you're relying on God's finances, you're richer than Donald Trump, Bill Gates, all of them. You got everything. You can't be lonely because God is the one that he's the author of who love is. And so if you're in a right relationship with God, then guess what? You're not lonely. You're loved. We have to change the way we look at things because what is happening is that we're speaking death in the atmosphere. And the thing about it is when we're speaking death in the atmosphere, it changes everything that can happen. Uh, We're giving the enemy more power. We're feeding the dead side of the tree more than we're feeding the living side of the tree. Not only is there an aspect of understanding speaking death upon you, but the second principle of death, which is what we need to understand and what we need to adapt more in our life, is we need to allow God to speak death through us. This is what the Pharisees didn't realize, and when Jesus brought it to their attention, the same power that I use to cast out demons is the same power that your folks use to cast out demons. You have to understand that God was speaking to them that I am speaking death through you. What does that mean, Pastor? There are some things within our lives that we need to start speaking death to. There are some things that are weighing us down, some things that are stressing us out, things that are holding us back that we need to be able to say, you know what, God, come prune this now and go on and throw it to the side and burn it up because this ain't doing me no good. This has kept me from serving you the way I'm supposed to serve you for all my life. This has held me back from being committed to you. God, I need you to remove these things. We're sitting here steady fueling the wrong thing. We understand that we can speak deaf, but the problem is that we have taken the deaf gun and pointed it directly at ourselves. When God has given us this weapon to attack the things around us, to attack the things that are coming to us, stop confessing that you're struggling with an addiction and begin to cast that addiction out of you. Get yourself into a position where you can say, you know what, this will no longer have control over me. Some of the greatest football players, they're only great because they convince themselves they're great. They sit there in the locker room. They they put on their headphones. They begin to meditate. They get in their own zone. They're not worried about what the media says. They're not fueled by what they're saying. They get themselves into a position where they begin to tell themselves, I'm going to prove people wrong. I'm better than what they thought they they were. I, I love my boy. I love my boy number 88. I love me some Dez Bryant right now. People want to hate on Dez because they say he talk a lot. I, I see a whole nother Dez this year that says, you know what? Forget what people are saying about me. I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove them that I'm going to be healthier than I've ever been before. I'm going to prove them that I, I'm going to play my best game. I'm not going to let them get in my head. I'm not going to let them put me at a disadvantage. Des did something so prolific this week. Uh, he, he found himself stepping outside of who he was, out of who he has become. And, and he began to to go back and forth on Twitter with this young man that he just burnt up this past week. <laughs> and Dez caught himself and he says, you know what? He said the tweet out, I'm better than this. Yeah. I shouldn't have said the things that I said. Even Des Brown realized that my mouth has power. He didn't want his mouth to distract, cause a distraction from the team. Yeah. See, it doesn't matter what nobody else says, they can't take that 10 and 1 away from us. Uh, we we've proven ourselves, and and the thing is that we are gonna go to the Super bowl. Pastor said it first. Don't don't put it on Facebook. I don't want nobody come and say I'm a false, false prophet. <laughs> but Des didn't want nin- nothing to distract. And so what they what they begin to do they they continue to ask Des in the interview. Des, what are y'all struggling with? What are y'all weaknesses? Or and Des says, you know what? We're just gonna get better. Des, Des didn't get there and says, you know what, man? I don't, I don't know. Uh, why they not passing me the ball as much as, they, as Romo used to pass me the ball. He, he didn't get all frust- frustrated and flustered. He sat there and he said, we got some things we're going to work on. We're just going to get better. That's some positivity. That's speaking depth to some situations around. See, he could have sit there and flipped that thing all the way around. and said, you know what, they need to put the ball in my hand more. I'm the playmaker. I'm such and such this. You know what type of confusion that would have caused within their organization? What type of attitudes would have been fueled because of that negativity? The reason why I use this for an example, because you're fueling some negative things in your life. Baby, daddy drama, you fueling it. Those texts you're seeing, that's verbal communication. <laughs> things that you're saying. <laughs> that you know you shouldn't be saying. You're acting like my wife, talking about she the only one got to clean up. Say, it's a better way to get me to help you. Just say, can you help me, please? (laughs) I had to throw that in there. I would have said that this evening. It would have been a whole other outcome. She can't say nothing back right now. We have to get better with how we speak death in our lives. Start allowing God to speak death through you. And stop speaking death to yourself. Amen? Listen, catch this. This is another good point. Something else to take a picture of, write it down. Speaking life gives us access to God's true plan. This is why we shouldn't speak death. We should try to speak life because speaking life gives us access to God's great plan. This is what we have to understand. We just read it earlier. We have a desire. We have a way that we want to live. We we got our hearts fixed on it, and and it's the things that we like, the things that we desire. But God already has a plan for us. And if we begin to speak life, then it it grants us access to God's plan. If we can begin to speak life, then we have the key to everything that God wants us to have. Why? Because life is his thing. God didn't come to give us death. He came so that we can have life more abundantly. And, and, and this message just went different. It's a teaching message today. I guess God wanted to make sure that we get it. When we leave here, I need you to understand that there's three different types of life speech that we need to have. There's three different types of life speech that we need to have. The first thing is a speech of repentance, speaking repentance. What we need to understand about speaking repentance, repentance produces forgiveness. Repentance produces forgiveness. This is a life speech. Uh, Luke chapter 5 verse 31 through 32 write it down I'm gonna read it to you this is what the word of God says in Luke chapter 5 verse 31 through 32 and Jesus answered and said to them it is not those who are well who need a physician but those who are sick I have come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to to repentance, the very aspect that you're here in this room today is because you should have came to some realization at some point in your life if you haven't I need you to get it right now you're a sinner that's a big thing we have to say that an alcoholic can't move forward in his 12-step program until he goes ahead and accept the fact that he 's an alcoholic. Someone who's addicted to drugs can't move forward in their program until they realize that they're addicted to drugs. A cheater can't stop cheating until he realizes that he's a cheater. There has to be a, a point of realization into who you really are. You're not perfect. You're a sinner. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing because that's the whole purpose that Jesus Christ was sent here. He wasn't sent for the Pharisees that thought they had it all together. He was sent for those who are lost, who are broken, who were confused, he was sent for the sinners. And he said, I come so that they may have life more abundantly. But catch this, in order to receive that life, you have to what? Repent. Some of the things that we're struggling with, some of the things that are holding us back, uh, we've been speaking to instead of speaking away. Uh, we have not repented for some of the things that we've done. You wonder why you still struggle with cheating you wonder why you still struggle with gambling you wonder why you still tr- struggle with all your other addictions it's simply because you hadn't taken the time to repent now catch this repent is not just about what you're saying it's about what you feel as an element of remorse within inside of you saying you know what i know this ain't right it doesn't feel right it's not it doesn't it's, it's not what god wants me to do and so therefore god i'm going to repent and the aspect of repent what we have to understand it needs to redirect when we say we're sorry, when we say, God, forgive me, we're asking God to allow us the opportunity to redirect. Redirect our attention, our focus, uh, our path, where we want to go. We want to change something up. That is life. Why? Because if you're a sinner, you're headed to what? Destruction. You're headed to death. But when you repent, you go from being a sinner to what? A saint. There's an aspect of in the middle, sinners equals salvation. Sinners plus salvation equals saint. There's a period where you can now redirect who you are. If you want to move forward in life, if you want to be God's mouthpiece, in order to be God's mouthpiece, in order to be used and be able to speak for God and allow God to speak through you, you have to repent. You have to repent from your thoughts, from your actions. You have to take time to say, you know what, God, I apologize. And the thing is that you really have to mean it because if you don't, you're the fool that thinks that you're a bad tree that can produce good fruit. It's not possible. If you did, you did. So catch this. If you don't want to be honest with your repentance, be satisfied with who you are. Be satisfied with anybody and everybody trying to run through you. Be satisfied with nobody wanting to support you. Be satisfied with your mama not wanting to answer your call to give you no money because they know what you're going to do with it. Be satisfied with who you are. When you know better, you do better, you get better. When you know better, you do the same thing, you get the same thing. When you don't want to do things God's way, you're going to continue to get the same results. Man, I, I had the opportunity to talk to a young lady that was struggling. She has two kids by, uh, by two different men. No problems. God bless you. He loves you. We can be redeemed. We can move forward. But then the catch part is now, look, she's pregnant again. Not married. The man that she's pregnant by is married and she's upset one of the problems in his marriage because of the choices that she made. I ain't going to tell you not to put him on blast. But what I am going to say is you just as much as wrong as he is. It'll be a different thing if it was a one-time thing and you, and you just accidentally messed up, you got caught in your passion, but you've been fooling with him for a year. And you've been knowing he's married for two. There comes a point where instead of trying to get back at someone, you need to just repent for what you've done. If you can repent for what you've done and separate yourself from that situation, guess what happens now? You find yourself from being in the presence of the enemy to being in the presence of God. Now something different can happen in your life because you've changed where you are. You've changed your position. Some of us are getting the same thing over and over because of where we are in life. So the first thing I need you to understand is learn to repent for what you've done wrong and mean it. Don't just do like I did when I was a kid every time I did wrong. Mama, daddy, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I won't do it no more. Go right back to school the next day and do the same thing. See, some of us, when we repent, all we're really trying to do is saying, God, give me a, get out of jail free this time, and next time I'm going to try to find a way to do it and not get caught. That's not repentance. Repentance is redirection. Repentance is transformation. After we learn that we need to be speaking of repentance, then we need to learn that there's a faith speech. We need to speak faith. And what does faith do? Faith molds the future. We need to learn how to talk with faith and not fear. Uh, write this down, Luke chapter 17, verse 6. Uh, you'll find there in the text when you read it on your lo- uh, on your personal time that God says, And the Lord said, If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, uh, Be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. God himself is talking about the ability to speak through faith. Faith molds the future. Jesus himself has said to him, listen, if you have faith the size of a mulberry tree, a mustard seed, that you can speak to a mulberry tree and say, get up right now and shift. All of us should be practicing our faith talk this week. If we can literally just uproot a tree and put it in the water. And this is what I want you to understand. This, this part right here is not a metaphor. Th- this is true. So what does this say? I want you to understand how small a, a mulberry, I mean a mustard seed is. I, it's not e- you barely can see it in it's almost equal to a grain of sand. And if you have faith that size, you can move a mulberry tree? God, imagine what I could do if I just had half of a mustard seed. Imagine the doors that would be opening in my life because of half the mustard seed. Imagine the things that God would be able to do for you if you had half a mustard seed. The reason why we're not able to talk faith is because we live in fear. We're allowing everything around us to control how we speak. How do we know that? Because some of you were cussing on your way to church, but the minute you came in this building, you stopped cussing. Why? Because you feel like this church is the holy place. I'm sorry, guys. This is just the office building. You are the church. So you've already cussed in church before you got here. Uh, when we leave this building and go to our new building, that, that used to be a sack and save. It was a grocery store. These buildings are just buildings. Matter of fact, we learned last week God said you make these buildings for yourself, not for me. How do we know that? Because He says heaven is my throne room. And He says what? Earth is my footstool. What building can you make on your planet that'll fit me in it? The reason why we are the church is because we have the breath of God flowing through our body. So you have to be careful of what you do with that breath. You have to be careful of what you say and how you say it. We need to stop speaking that we're afraid of different situations. God, I can't can't stop fooling with him right now because of the fact he's going to leave me and take his money and I ain't going to have nobody to take care of me. Yeah, that's a bunch of fear talk. Instead of you looking at the same situation, he's going to leave me. And I'm going to be without him. But you're not looking at it from a a separate way. God, I'm leaving him to trust solely on you for you to provide everything that I need. That's the problem. We got the wrong glasses on, the wrong prescription. You better ask Akron. If he ain't got the right glasses on, he going to run straight into walls. He won't even know that they're there. And, and, And what we have to realize is that as believers, we see things through God's eyes. Not through our own eyes. The minute that fear enters our heart and that we're afraid of what life is going to do or how things are going to turn out, we know that that's not of God because God is not of fear. God wants us to feel his love. God wants us to feel his presence. We learned that there should be a healthy fear, but that is a fear of respect, of reverence. God is not trying to, to rule over you in such a way that, that you feel intimidated and you feel that you're going to lose everything if you just don't listen to him God wants you to know that you have everything because you're with him he wants that relationship to be so full because of that that simple fact so we have to begin to speak faith throughout our lives why because faith not only fuels but it molds the future it will tell it will create an atmosphere for you stop saying you're lonely and begin to say you're loved Begin to see the love of God flow within your life. Begin to be happy in the situations and the circumstances you're in with God and watch what God does for you. Watch what God gives you because of the fact that your speech has changed. Again, this is not only what you're saying verbally, it's what you're thinking internally. Your speech has changed. We have to change the way we speak, but we also got to understand not only should we speak forgiveness, not only should we speak through faith, but we also should deal with a speaking of truth. This is big. When we're dealing with life speech, speaking truth is a good one because truth transforms others. Truth transforms others. When we look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 16, uh, it's one of the many passages where Jesus has given the disciples a command to go and tell the gospel, to go and spread the gospel to share with other people why, so that their lives can be changed. God has not blessed you. God has not fixed you. God has not redirected you so you can sit there and just be happy where you are. God has fixed you so that you can be utilized for his purpose. That's like me finding me a good 1957 Chevy, putting all that hard work into it, fixing it up, calling Pastor Said over, saying, man, look at my cute truck, and I never pull it out of the garage. If, if nothing else, I'm going to put it on a trailer and take it to a show. I might not drive it in fear that something's going to happen to it, but I'm going to make sure that somebody sees it. God wants people to see his good works. There's nothing that he does that he wants to put on a shelf and hide. We are the light. And, and there's a text that reminds us that he doesn't put a, li- a light to be hid up under a basket. He puts it so that everyone can see it. This is what God wants to do through you. So when we understand that we have a responsibility to speak truth, I want you to think of something. You think about Simon Peter himself, the one that God says on you, I will build my rock. Simon Peter repeatedly refused to be a true disciple and go and tell the truth. Matter of fact, one time after Jesus told him to go tell it, he did what? He went fishing. And Jesus had to remind him, listen, you don't know what you're doing. They didn't catch nothing. Jesus said, casting that. On the other side, they found the fish, and by the time they came to land, guess what? Jesus had fish already cooking. What does that teach us? God has everything that we need right there where he is. All we need to do is do what he wants us to do. If we do what he wants us to do, then we can naturally inherit everything that God has for us. The reason why you're missing out on your blessings, the reason why you don't have your husband, you don't have your job, you don't have your finances, you're feeling lonely, you you, you you in bad situations over and over, you're not happy at any church is because of the fact that you're doing it because you want to do it your way and not trying to do it God's way. Because if you're doing it God's way, he directs you to a place of provisions. He directs you to a place of protection. He directs you to a place that has everything that you could possibly ever need. Why? Because you are in his presence. But if you choose to continue to live your life outside of the will of God, then how can you ever expect to receive what God has for you. Be obedient, a series dealing with stewardship, stewardship understanding that I'm the manager, God's the owner, which means that God rules and reigns in my life. Anything that I'm going to do, I have to do it the way he wants me to do it or what? I get fired. I get fired, I end up broke. I get fired, I end up homeless. I get fired, I end up loneless. Some of us are walking around in life not realizing that we're fired right now. This is why you're steady feeling so negative. This is why you're steady talking trash because you're not employed. You're not on Team Jesus. But the great thing is that he'll hire you back. He's the only employer that will fire you and let you have your job back in the same day. So the question is, do you steady want to be homeless? Do you steady want to be broke? Do you steady want to be unloved? Do you steady want to be disappointed? Do you steady want to be let down? Or would you like to experience the opposite? Would you like to experience the change, the difference? There are some people that hate that Donald Trump is is a president-elect right now. But there's also some Republicans that are in that party that hate that he's president right now. They ain't going to say nothing about it because they want a position in that cabinet. They know what? He's the boss. I'm going to keep my mouth closed. Why can't we get that about God? We will go to work and and do what we want to do and do it how they want us to do it just to make sure we get our check. But why can't we? We have the best job in the world. This job guarantees that somewhere you're going to get a raise. It might not come through your job where you at, but somebody's going to drop something in your life. You got the best boss. The Scripture tells us whenever you do, do it unto the Lord, not unto man. You're sitting here and you're trying to love a man when you should be loving God. If you love God right, then God will send you a man that loves him just the same. Why? Because he don't want to mess up your, you and his relationship. I just told somebody the other day, listen, the reason why we struggle at loving our wives is because we don't love God. If we can really love God like we're supposed to, then what will happen is because we see that our women and our wives are gifts from God, then what happens? We appreciate that gift. I remember my grandma, Irma Jean when I was a kid, getting close to Christmas time, I can tell this story, she passed on, but every year. Uh, she would send my dad and my mom the same gift for me every year. Every year she worked at Neiman Marcus. Uh, I didn't know what Neiman Marcus and how much things cost back then. But every year she was a security guard there, and she would uh, send me the same box. It didn't matter. Every year I knew what this box had. I opened it time and time again. I still smiled. I'm still happy about the gift every year. Uh, And I don't know where I went wrong the first year, but six, seven years down the road I would still open the box and the box would be the exact same pajamas. They, they would be the exact same red pajamas with little Christmas decorations on them. Every Christmas, every year, the exact same pajamas. She gave those pajamas to me year after year after year because of how much I told her I loved them. How much I told her I appreciated them. No matter if I really didn't like them, if I really wanted a super soaker, if if I really wanted a starter jacket or a pair of Jordans, my grandma, who I knew loved me, I made sure I told her how much I loved the gift that she gave me. Guess what? Every year I got it. You know what that shows me? Every year she got me a bigger size. She didn't get me a smaller size. Every year she got me a bigger size. Why? Because she knew this year I need to get you something better that fits you. I, this year, she didn't, she didn't go from year one and plan the next six years and give me one great big, big pair of pajamas and say, you're going to grow into these, baby. No, every year, she said, listen, I'm going to get you exactly what you need every year. God has the same love for us. He'll give you exactly what you need every year, every month, every day, every minute. But the thing is that you got to keep your relationship right with him, what would have happened if I would have disrespected my grandma and say, "Grandma, you crazy? Why do you keep giving me these same things?" I would have hurt my grandmother's feelings, and guess what? She probably wouldn't have ever got me anything ever again. You ungrateful heathen! I wouldn't have got anything. Why? Because I was disrespectful in my relationship with my grandmother. We walk around being disrespectful to our relationship with God day in and day out, but the problem is we still go before Him with our hand out. We still go before him looking for, for something more to come out to us, for something to be given more unto us. But we don't want to be used by God. We don't want to be the heart of God. We don't want to be the hands of God. We don't want to be the mouthpiece of God. Instead of using your mouth to convince people to do wrong, you know how we used to promote Club Shay and, and Club Ecstasy and all those other clubs. You know, come on, y'all, don't act like y'all been holy all y'all life. The Cliff Club, daddy, I know where you was. Don't I, I overheard some of them conversations back in the day. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you, the same energy that you used to promote that, you should be promoting Jesus. You should be able to use your mouth and encourage people, listen, I forgive you, you need to forgive yourself. You need to ask God to forgive you for what you've done wrong. Quit walking around with anger. There's a relationship that you are in right now. Baby daddies, baby mamas, bosses, that you are so angry and every time you see them, you want to snap. How do I know it? I've it I've had it this past week. I started a little volunteer job at American Airlines Center. There's this mean woman that walks around just desires to be mean to people and I went out of my way to be mean back to her. I was like, first of all, you don't understand. I'm a volunteer. I don't work for you we're not going to go through these same things now listen God that convicted me today when I go back there this evening I got a love on her because I'm your mouthpiece so I know if it's affecting me it got to be affecting y'all there's some people that you got some choice words for that you don't want to you don't want to share with me but you will really share them with them you got to forgive them You got to be obedient. Listen, it's hard, baby. Remind me of this text when we get there today. Because i tell telling you, I, I prepared last night just to go in ready to fight. You ain't going to handle me today. I got to control my mouth. I got to control my mouth because my mouth represents God. It's crazy because I'm there as a volunteer, and we have our badges on, and it shows the Light Christian Fellowship Church. They know that I'm a pastor, and I'm sitting here arguing with this woman. <laughs> and the crazy part is that my wife reminded me, listen, baby, the only reason she's acting like this because she ain't never had no control over anything else. Let her have it. The truth of the matter is that she probably plotting and ready to attack me today when I get there. Because she knows that I've been snapping back at her. My wife say, all you doing is fueling her home. That's why she keep coming over here messing with you. But today I got a surprise for her. I'm going to tell her, Jesus love. Matter of fact, I'm going to give her a church card. Come to church. Because I am the mouthpiece of God. I represent God. When you leave here today, you represent God. You don't represent this church first. You represent God first. And I want you to understand that after you represent God, you represent yourself. Eventually, you come to the point of representing the church. Don't be like some of my IBOC people that roll around uh, smoking blunts with box stickers on the back of their car. I'm just saying, don't be like that I, I, if you if you represent the light. I'm just saying, you represent yes, yes. where you're at. Yes. You represent who you're connected to. Start living that life. And it begins with you not only asking for forgiveness for yourself, but you being willing to forgive other people. And then start speaking faith. I'm speaking it today, this woman going to be full of love when I get there. Matter of fact, I'm speaking, they ain't going to even put me on the same flow with her today. God's going to be that good to me. I'm going to come back and testify about that next Sunday. Why is this important? Because your faith molds your future. Stop saying you broke. Stop saying you lonely. Stop saying you you don't have nobody. And begin to look at what you do have. Begin to focus on the positivity that's going on within your life so you can experience everything that God has for you. Then after that, learn to testify. Tell the truth. Start telling people about who God is. This is what I want you to really understand. God blesses the people most who God uses the most. Amen. You you look at T.D. Jakes and wonder why he's on the platform that he is. I, I had another friend of mine, Pastor Lewis Hemphill of, of the Link Church, and uh, now they're in Las Colinas. We were talking this week, and uh, we were talking about about giving, he was, he asked the question: Why do we make it a requirement for our churches uh, to tithe an offering? In order to be a, cons- a, a, a a true member of the church, you have to tithe an offer. I brought up the Acts two principle where people gave up everything they had for the church, showing that people sold into the church because that's where they at. I say some people don't have it to give. Uh, and literally don't have a job and so they don't have it to give. That doesn't that doesn't restrict them because they give in other ways. They support in other ways. But this is the thing that he was wondering, he was cause he's trying to, to change the dynamics of his church, how he looks. And I, I told him, Lewis, you'll never have a problem at your church because you're a giver. You give ridiculously. You bless ridiculously, you go out of your way. The crazy part, he did this thing, and we're gonna do it next year with him. We're gonna he did a feed my city in Las Colinas, urban. They fed Over 500 people, turkeys came in, all type of things. It was great. We're going to partner with them and do it next year. The crazy part is after he did it, some of his church members, the bosses of his company came in dropping $1,000 checks because they believed in what he was doing. Just got a brand new building, great building, seats 250 people in the sanctuary because they believe in what he was doing. God blesses the people who allows him to utilize them the most. You want to see God work in your life more? Start allowing God to utilize you more. Like I said earlier, man, and this is not nothing fancy, but this series is a stewardship series that should change your perspective on your relationship with God. All my life, and every time I heard stewardship, it was always preached by a pastor talking about you need to give the church more money. But when I got an opportunity to study this, stewardship is simply about being obedient. Being the manager that God has called you to be. Why is that important for us to understand? It's because if I can help you get your relationship right with God, everything else falls into place. If I can help you to actually get to a point where you you are saying, God, you're the owner of my life. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself away. If I can get you to that point with God, guess what? You're going to give more because you trust God for more. You're going to be more consistent in your aspect of worship and serving because you know that you're serving God, not serving me. I can stand on the same stage and try to give you this hoorah message, this feel good message that makes you just want to sow $500 into the ministry right now and God will bless you. Listen, the truth is, God's going to bless you because of what He's asked you to do. The question is, will you do it? The question is, will you be obedient as you leave this place today? Will you be committed to doing what God is asking you to do? Will you live your life to understand now that you know what stewardship is, now that you know that God wants to use you by working through your heart, that God wants to use you by utilizing your hands, the things that you touch, the things that you do, and God wants your voice to be his voice. He wants you to speak. He wants you to be a representation of who he is. Will you allow him to utilize you? Or will you continue to stay in the same situation? You have two peels before you. One is called life, and one is called death. It's your choice which one you choose. But the thing is, when you leave here, and whichever one you choose, whatever your outcome is, no one gets the blame except you. If you go wrong, and you go south, and you choose death, and you choose to keep living a life full of sin, then whatever you get as a result of it, it's on you. And if you choose life, I can't take credit for it. Pastor said can't take credit for it. Your mama can't take credit for it. Your daddy can't take credit for it. That's something that only you and God can take credit for. So do you want people pointing fingers at you talking about, huh, look at where they at now. Look at everything they done lost. Or do you want people talking about, hey, that's where you need to go. Go, go go, find out. Because everywhere Jesus went, he always had a crowd with him. A crowd wanting to learn more, wanting to do more, wanting to experience more. So I need you to understand that for sinners who can't see God, you are the aspect of God they do see. You are who they realize as a representation of God. This is why when people come around you, if you're a true believer in Christ, they mouths they change when they come around you. Because they know who you are. They see God in you. Start utilizing that to your advantage. Stop being afraid and start being a little bit more bold to share who God is and what God is going to do, not only to them and through them, but also what he's already done to you. Amen? Amen. We know better, so we have to do better. Let's stand. The word of God for the people of God. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Listen, I'm going to tell y'all, man, I came prepared to hoop, holler, and scream like the other three weeks. I don't know what God did, but I know that he did his thing. And if the message wasn't nothing for me and that lady at AAC, uh, we got it. And she's going to be blessed as a result of it today. I'm going to love on her (laughs) because I was ready to go fight. Listen, some of y'all may be just like me. Y'all came to this building knowing that your relationship seemed to be right with God and everything seemed to be perfect, but somehow during the message, you found that there was an aspect where you struggled. And, and you realized that, God, there's a part of me that I need to give all the way to you. There's something I'm struggling with, something I'm dealing with that isn't mine to deal with. And the thing is that just like me, if I got into it with this lady, it could block me from my blessing. When you choose to fight a fight that's not yours to fight, You're being blocked from your blessing. And so I want to help you. I want to give you the best person that you could possibly put on your team. You may know him. His name is Jesus. Uh, He was sent here over to...